Good morning. We're thankful for everyone's presence here today, no matter who you are, no matter where you have come from, we're glad that you're here. And we hope that today is a blessing to you, even as you have come to seek to bless and glorify the name of our God and Father in heaven. We hope today is challenging to you if your faith needs a shot in the arm, uh, if you desire greater conviction and devotion to God as you go throughout your daily life, then we hope today will challenge you. We hope today will be an encouragement, a comfort to you if you're struggling in any way, if you're feeling downtrodden uh, or discouraged, we hope today will lift you up. We've come here to worship God, but in our songs and in our prayers and hopefully in this sermon, we've also come to stir up one another to good works, to help one another, uh, to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, to weep with those who are weeping. So though God gets the glory from this hour, benefits are also available for each of us. And so we pray that this worship service will glorify God, but that it will be a blessing to each of us. I'm sure you've said before this phrase, that's easier said than done. Can you think of a time in your life when you've said, well, that is easier said than done. Lauren's grandmother is a master seamstress, and she spends most of her waking hours behind the sewing machine of her home, cranking out garment after garment for her 11-plus great-grandkids. And a lot of what our girls wear to church, she's made. She's handmade. Very special clothes. But she takes for granted her advanced sewing knowledge. And she talks to Lauren like, you know, what I do is easy. She's pretty modest about, you know, her, her skills. And she'll send a piece of clothing to Lauren and they'll get on the phone and she'll say, you know, that probably needs to be altered a little bit. That needs to be hemmed. Here's what you do. You just do this, 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 and this, and then it's done. And Lauren wants to say, well, that's a lot easier said than done. You really think it's that simple? But she acts like, you know, it's the easiest thing in the world after 60 plus years of experience behind a sewing machine. Lauren's dad asked me to go golfing uh, a few years back with her brothers. And so I obliged and I went and, you know, they said, hey, this is how you putt. This is how you drive. Just pick up the club, it's not that easy, and you know, every time it was my turn, balls were flying this way and that into the Tennessee River. I still can't figure out why I haven't been asked back to golf. That was my one and only golfing experience, I'm still waiting for that second invitation. But uh, boy, they made it sound like it was real easy, easier said than done. Some of us may be tempted to look at what Jesus has to say in our text today, some of us may be tempted after looking at it to say, well, that's easier said than done. Because Jesus in Luke chapter 12, and I would invite you to grab a Bible and just open it up to Luke chapter 12. We'll be looking at several verses stretching from verse 22 down for, for a ways. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 22, do not be anxious about your life. Well, Jesus... You make it sound awful easy. Is that all there is to it? Just don't do it? Just don't be anxious about your life? I mean, is there anybody else out there who thinks that is a lot easier said than done? Because the fact is, some of us are pretty chill. Some of us are go with the flow. 
But a lot of us are what our culture would call nervous Nellies, worry warts. Some of us have a greater proclivity to experiencing worry and anxiety. And I'm just talking about run-of-the-mill fretting and nervousness. And let's be a little bit more serious, because some of you really may struggle with anxiety. And you've come into God's house, this house of worship this week, and you've just got a stack of concerns and worries you know, up to your eyeballs. There's a whole big list of things that you're feeling anxious about. I mean, if somebody asked you, you could just rattle them off. My family, this issue with my friends, this issue with my kids and their school, my health, my parents' health, my kids' well-being. I mean, on and on and on we go. And we often talk about, let's come into church, let's leave everything at the door, leave all your baggage at the door, let's just come in, let's focus on God. That is easier said than done. And what I want to say to you is, you know what? Don't leave your baggage back at the back door. Bring it in. Because there's only one person who can handle your stuff, your junk, your baggage, and it's Jesus Christ. So bring it in and lay it at His feet. And if it's nervousness, if it's anxiety, then bring it with you. I know we've got people in the house today for whom this is a big struggle. And when you see Jesus just say at the beginning of our text today, Don't be anxious about your life. You want to say, Jesus, I would love to not be anxious about my life, but that is easier said than done. Now, to fully understand what Jesus is going to teach us in this chapter, we need to back up to a few verses before he begins in verse 22. At the beginning of verse 22, Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And anytime you see a therefore, our English teachers, our grammar teachers have taught us, you need to understand what it's there for. Because this passage is built on a passage that is preceding it. In the passage preceding this one, Jesus tells a parable. And the parable is about a rich man, a farmer, who yields a great crop in a season, and he doesn't know what he's going to do with all of his crops. And so he says to himself, you know, where am I going to store all of, all of these crops? It's been a fruitful year for the harvest. i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down the barns that I've got, and I'm going to build even bigger ones. And I will say to my soul, soul, you've got enough food to last you for years. So you know what? Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And in that story, that imaginative story, that parable that Jesus tells his disciples, God appears to this man. And he says to him, we might say about this man, you're very wise. You're very prudent. You are thinking about the future. You're trying to prepare. I get what you're doing. You're preparing yourself for the future. That is, that's very wise of you. God doesn't tell him he's wise. God says you're a fool. He says, you're a fool because on this very night, well, this is what he says in verse 20, this night your soul is required of you and the things that you've prepared, whose will they be? Who's going to get them? To whom will they belong? And Jesus in verse 21 says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not, important phrase here, rich toward God. So this man was just thinking about how he can amass greater wealth and resources for himself. We might think he's wise. 
Jesus says, or God says in the parable, you're a fool because you're thinking about earthly riches and not how you can lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. Not how you can be rich toward God. Therefore, Jesus says, in verse 22 where our passage begins, therefore, based on what you just learned in that parable, based on the truths that I just revealed to you in that story, therefore, don't be anxious about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're, you're going to wear, what you're going to put on. And it's not just about our wardrobe and our diet that Jesus is speaking. It's about all sorts of particulars of life. Things that if we're honest with ourselves, consume a lot of our mental energy each day. All the various particulars of life. Maybe you're thinking about one right now. Where are we going to go eat when this guy... Shuts his mouth up here. Where are we going to go eat this afternoon? What am I going to wear to the shower? What am I going to wear to this meeting next week? And so on and so forth. All these various concerns, these worries that we have that occupy a large amount of our mental capacity. Jesus says, stop it. Just stop. Don't be anxious about these types of things. Now, people today, they're no different than people then. That's the beauty of reading the Bible, because though we are separated by a great time gap and culture gap and geographical gap, we read and we say, I am just like them. Human nature has not evolved since this time. We are very much the same. They worried about stuff, stuff so do we. They were anxious about all kinds of things, so are we. However... As I look around, it seems to me that we face an anxiety problem in our culture today of epic proportions. Do you see what I see? Have you noticed what I have noticed? That people in in American culture today seem to be more anxious, more nervous, more worried than ever before? Especially disturbing to me, is the high anxiety of our young people and our children. This is very, very upsetting to me. I'm going to let journalist David French of the National Review sum some things up for us with some concerning statistics. He says this, from 2008 to 2015, I got here in 07, and 2015 was just a few years back. So in the time, in a shorter amount of time than I've been here working with this church, the number of children and teens who were hospitalized for suicidal thoughts or actions more than doubled. More than doubled. From 2005 to 2014, there was a 37% increase in the number of teens who reported a major depressive episode. In 2016, Time reported that an incredible 30% of Los Angeles Unified School District students experience feelings of hopelessness and sadness lasting more than two weeks. Reaching back to 2015, a sobering Vox magazine story reported that millennials, that's my generation, in fact I think I'm an older millennial, that we were experiencing unprecedented levels of anxiety and depression. And this article contains a deluge of statistics. More than 25% of college students have a diagnosable mental illness. An incredible 61% of one, over, a little over 1,000 college students who responded 
to an American College Health Association assessment in fall 2014 reported feeling overwhelming anxiety. Not just a little anxiety, not just a little worry before a test, but well over half of these college students said they felt overwhelming anxiety within the last year. And then there's this, mental health problems don't just start when kids go off to college. According to Psychology Today, the average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. What is happening to us? What is wrong with our children? What is wrong with our young people? What is wrong with us? David French continues, he says, I must confess that as the parent of two teenagers, none of this surprises me. I wonder if it surprises any of the parents of teens sitting in our audience today. He says, I know my kids' friends and peers, and while there are notable exceptions to every trend, theirs is not a generation characterized by hope and joy. I can't tell you how many times I've heard parents ask a version of this key question, he says. Were we this sad when we were young? Why are our young people so anxious? Why are Americans in general so anxious? And what can we do about it? Now the knee-jerk reaction as, as Americans, for some of us, might be, I know what we can do. We can buy back their happiness. If we can just give them more stuff, more resources, if we can provide for them more fun activities, more enriching, fulfilling experiences, then that will make them feel better. That will put a smile back on their face. That will help them to not feel so worried and anxious all the time. In other words, let's tear down the barns that we've got and build bigger ones. That's the answer. That's what's going to work. But you know as well as I, that's not the answer. That can't be the answer. Because we are already the richest country on the face of this earth that has ever existed in the history of mankind. And we are miserable. And we're filled with fretting and, and nervousness and worry. The economy has never been better, our politicians tell us. And our anxiety has never been greater. And so that's not the answer. That's not the solution. So what is the answer? What's the fix? Well, I think it's time we stopped listening to our culture. It's time we stopped listening to ourselves, what we think and what we feel about what's going to fix the problem. It's time we started listening to Jesus, our Lord. How about an amen? It's time we started listening to Jesus, our Lord. And that's not just the case on this issue, but on a host of issues. It's time we opened our ears to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is what he says in the very next verse, after he says, don't be anxious about your life, what you eat, nor about your body, what you put on. Verse 23, life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Life is more than the little stuff that you worry about all the day long. Life's bigger than that. 
Why are you living such a small existence, worrying about your next meal, worrying about what you're going to put on, worrying about what color you're going to paint your living room, worrying about how big your bass boat is? Why are you occupying your brain with all of that silly, trivial stuff? Life's bigger than that. Life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. There's more to life than these things. So not only is more stuff not the solution, not only is it not the solution, it's a big part of the problem. Because Jesus earlier says, in the, right before he tells that parable that we mentioned earlier, in chapter 12, verse 15, this is not up on the screen, 12, 15, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Your life does not consist in the amount of possessions that you have. And we say we believe that. Oh yeah, that's true. But do we live like that? Do our lives reflect that truth? I mean, are we preaching that not just with our mouths, but with our lifestyle? Or does it appear to the world like we are no different than everybody else? That life is all about how much stuff we can get and and how many material possessions we can amass. Are we preaching this word of Jesus to the world with how we live that life consists, does not consist in the abundance of of our possessions, that life is more than these things? Now listen, are there other factors making us nervous, making us anxious, making us depressed? Yes. And if this were a Bible class setting, I might open up the floor and I might say, church, what do you think? What do you think as you look around today in our society, in our culture, what do you think, what do you think, is making people so anxious all the time, especially our young people. And you might have a slew of answers that are right. We could list several factors. Are there other factors? Absolutely. And I don't want to, I want you to hear me out. I am not saying that clinical depression is not a real thing. That diagnosable anxiety is not a real thing. That there are not biological factors, genetic predispositions that make people more prone to anxiety. And I'm not saying that medication is not sometimes necessary. I don't want you to mishear me. This sermon is not going to be the last word on anxiety. And this sermon is not going to answer every question that you have and allay every concern that you might have. What I want to say in this sermon is simply what Jesus says in this text. And that is, a lot of our anxiety arises out of a misplaced focus. And I'm just talking about the general fretting and nervousness and worry and anxiety in our culture, it comes, I believe, and this is what Jesus teaches, out of a misplaced focus. When you make life about stuff and about bodily concerns and about selfish ambition and all this stuff, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, then you get anxious. Because God didn't design life to be about that. Life is not supposed to be about those things. And God knows what life's supposed to be about. He knows why He put us here. He knows why He created us. We are here to glorify God. We are here to expand the borders of His kingdom. This is a proving ground for us. And when we don't live into that, then we feel the strain. You know, we are going against the grain. We are swimming upstream. When life is not about what life's supposed to be about, we get anxious. And that's why so many Americans, I believe, are anxious today. Because we've made life about fulfilling our selfish concerns. 
We've made life about trivial pursuits. We've made life about stuff and little things that don't matter in the scheme of eternity. Life's not about that. I was reading, in my reading for this sermon, I read an article, an NBC News article, about this epidemic of worry in our country among young people. And there was an 11-year-old girl who was interviewed, struggling with anxiety and depression. And I was struck by this quote. Straight from her mouth, she said, I was surrounded by great things, but I just couldn't be happy. We think those are the things that are going to chill us out, that are going to make us happy, that will provide satisfaction. I'm surrounded by great things. What's wrong? It's not the answer. It's not the answer. Jesus says down in verse 30, all the nations of the world seek after these things. These little concerns we're talking about. What you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, and so on and so forth. In verse 30, Jesus says, all the nations of the world are seeking after these things, especially our nation. Especially our nation seeks after these things. But Jesus wants us to be different. He wants us to stand out in a world that is chasing happiness and satisfaction in all the wrong places. He doesn't want us to seek after these things. Instead, He wants us, according to verse 31, to seek His kingdom. To seek His kingdom. And I don't want to sound too naive. I don't think I will to you. But to the world, I probably will sound naive if, that, if some people who maybe were non-believers, unchurched, were here with us today, they'd say, that is such a simplistic Pollyanna answer. That cannot be the answer. But, but to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, I really believe, and Jesus teaches here, the, that that is the fix. That the remedy for our worry is increasing our kingdom concern. The remedy for our worry is increasing our kingdom concern. And some people might say that is way too simplistic. You know, you don't have a good handle on the problem, Joseph. Well, as a Bible-believing Christian, as a gospel preacher, if I don't believe that Jesus is big enough to fix this problem, then I am not a Christian worth my salt. I mean, do we or do we not believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has the power enough as the one through whom all things were created, as our agent of salvation, as our judge, as our Savior, as our Lord forevermore, if He can't fix it, then who can? I believe He can. And I believe the fix that the remedy for all of our, maybe not all of our worry, but a lot of our worry, a lot of our anxiety in our culture today is to decrease our concern about ourselves and to increase our concern For his kingdom. That's the remedy. For your worry. For your anxiety. That's why when people go on short-term mission trips, they, 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 they come back glowing. And they come back saying, man, that's what, that's what life is all about. Do you know why? Because for a week, they emptied themselves and they dedicated themselves to putting away all selfish concerns, and serving God and serving others. Well, guess what? Mission is not a trip. 
And you don't have to go on a short-term mission trip to embrace a missional lifestyle. Mission is what we're supposed to be doing every day of the week, every waking moment of our lives, living for God's glory and preaching the gospel in word and deed. That's the fix. That's the remedy for our worry. Take your eyes off yourself and fix them on your Savior. Quit your navel-gazing and start seeking His kingdom and serving His kingdom. I love this quote. I've adapted it for our purposes this morning. Anxiety comes from glancing at God, just glancing at God while gazing at ourselves. But peace comes from glancing at ourselves while gazing at God. I love that. Do you want to keep being anxious? Do you want to keep being worried? Then keep focusing on yourself. Keep focusing on your house. Keep focusing on your car. Keep focusing on how full your pantry is with food. Keep focusing on how full your closet is with clothes. Keep focusing on all the various events and activities that your, that your kids are involved in. Keep focusing on that stuff. That's how you'll remain anxious. That's how you'll remain worried. By keeping your eyes fixed on you. From gazing at yourself. But do you want to experience peace? Do you want to experience fulfillment and satisfaction in life? then gaze at God while only glancing at yourself. When someone says, I feel so worried, I feel so anxious, and y'all, I don't want you to think that I'm being insensitive here. But I really think when somebody says, I, I just I feel anxious all the time, I feel so worried, I really think that the first question should be, when's the last time you helped somebody? I really do. And I'm not talking about somebody who's clinically depressed or clinically anxious and, and might be helped by some medication. We're grateful to live at a time when technology has advanced to the, to the point that we can, uh, you know, doctors and, and researchers have come up with, with uh, all kinds of medicines that can help us. I'm not talking about that. It's talking about the anxiety, the worry that seems to be covering our land like a blanket. When somebody starts saying, oh, I just feel so worried, I feel so anxious, When's the last time you put down your phone and you stopped looking at how great you think everybody else's life is on Facebook or Instagram and how bad your life is because of this or that, because you don't have this, because you didn't experience that, because you didn't get get to go on that trip. When's the last time you stopped gazing at yourself and, and you helped somebody? I mean, when's the last time you sought to be a blessing to somebody? When's the last time you picked up a pen and you wrote a kind note, an encouraging note to somebody who was struggling? When's the last time you delivered food to somebody's home? When's the last time you picked up the phone and you called a widow, somebody who might be lonely? When's the last time you just did something generous for, some, for someone else, something unexpected? When is the last time you sought to be useful in God's kingdom by serving someone else? And do you want your children to avoid the anxiety crippling their generation? Then teach them 
that life is not about them. And the world does not revolve around them. And some of you, I know what you're thinking. Joseph, your oldest kid is only eight years old. You ain't got no clue what you're talking about. And listen, anytime I say anything about child rearing, I am saying it to myself first. Because it's hard to raise kids in this culture today. With the focus on on the self, with all the, the distractions that are out there, it is tough. And I need to be constantly reminded as all of these forces pull Pull us as parents of young children in all sorts of directions. I need to be, I am reminding myself, I have got to teach my kids not to gaze at themselves, but to gaze at God, to fix their eyes on Him, to seek to serve His kingdom. I've got to remember to share that there are some people who we know who are struggling, that life is not grand for everybody in their world. And you know what? We need to spend some time every night praying for those people. I need to take my kids to the funeral home and I need to take them to the homes of some of our elderly people and I need to teach them how they can serve and that life does not revolve around their sporting events and all of their extracurricular activities. Life is not about them. That is a surefire way to make them anxious and worried. And again, there are other factors, I get it. But do we experience large levels of anxiety and worry in our culture? Yes. Have we never been better off from a material standpoint? Yes. I don't think that's a coincidence. But do we want ourselves to be less anxious? Do we desire that for our children? Then we teach them that life is not about them and we get busy serving others and seeking to be useful in the kingdom of God. Jesus says, seek His kingdom first. And then these things will be added to you. There's, a, there's an order here that cannot be missed. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then God will provide for you what it is that you need. Now it may not be what it is you thought you want before you started seeking God's kingdom. Because when we seek God's kingdom first, God transforms our desires And He opens our eyes to what it is we actually want and need. And so Jesus says, if you seek My kingdom first, then I will provide for you everything that you need. Every need that you have will be provided. But we've got to get the order right. We can't seek the secondary in the primary place. The one who doesn't seek God's kingdom first doesn't seek it at all. And he or she, in fact, misses everything. But if you seek first the kingdom of God, then you gain everything that you need. This morning, we will offer the invitation as we do every week. And today, the invitation is for those who want to come and say, you know what? Life is bigger than what I've been making it. Life is greater. Life is more than all of these Small, trivial, silly concerns that I have been occupying way too much of my time and thought with. And I want to come and acknowledge that that God needs to be first. And I need to seek His kingdom first. And, And I realize that life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. 
And I realize that life does not consist in the abundance of my possessions. I I don't want my life to be small. I want it to be big. I want my life to be characterized by service to my Lord. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ in baptism, what this communicates when you go down into these waters and come back up, you are putting that old person to death. That person who is concerned with all of these small, trivial things, when you come up out of that water, you are now a person who seeks first His kingdom and His righteousness. And it's not that when you come up, all your worries will disappear. All your anxiety will dissipate. I know that many of you are concerned about worthwhile concerns. What we've talked about today is anxiety over the small, trivial things of life that distract us from the bigger things. And as we commit our lives to the Lord each day, as we seek to walk in His footsteps, then slowly our anxiety lessens and our peace increases. Do you want that for yourself? Maybe you want to come and give your life to Jesus for the very first time. Maybe you want to come and rededicate your life to Him. We invite you to do that while we stand and sing.